0: Today, my special guest is Terrence Chapman, and we're going to be talking about his brand new book, Do Your Children Believe? Becoming Intentional About Your Family's Faith and Spiritual Legacy, and that's published by our good friends at W, which is an imprint of Thomas Nelson. Terrence, thanks for joining us on today's show.
1: Oh, Sean, I'm very excited. Uh, Thanks for having me.
0: Well, first off, Terrence, let's help the listeners get to know you a bit better. Give us a window into the Terrence Chapman origin story.
1: Oh, I tell you, it's it's, a... A story that uh, I'm proud of to say that it started with two loving uh, parents uh, who knew Jesus and and uh, raised us to know who he is and and walk with him uh, that has produced the, the fruit that uh, I am today uh, kind of my uh, mentors and heroes uh, in my life starts with start at home and so I have I've uh, been married for uh, 34 years now uh, three wonderful uh, children who all know the Lord as well uh, uh, thanks for his grace and our faith, uh, through our faith, faithfulness. And uh, uh, they are uh, two married, one uh, soon to be married, February 18th, in fact, uh, uh, here in Atlanta. I currently live in Atlanta, uh, been in Atlanta for 20 years, hometown Chicago, and came through Atlanta through job relocations. Uh, and what brought me here to Atlanta was the Coca-Cola Company. And I worked for them in many of years and owned my own business for 10 years while I was here as well. And in the story, I'll talk about how the Lord moved in my life, uh, year four of the 10 years when I had started my business and gave me a wake-up call. And uh, so things have been moving ever since that wake-up call in a mighty way that led to this uh, particular book uh, that uh, you now have in front of you, Do Your Children Believe.
0: Terrence, thanks for giving us a, a little insight into your backstory. That's always helpful just to give a little context where you began and kind of where this story or this book grew out of. That's a, always very helpful to me. Next, let's get into what I like to call the story behind the book. And I really like what you share in the first chapter about a difficult question your wife and you were discussing. And this is the catalyst that seems to forever change the direction of your life. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I really did. Uh, typically, we would get off each year and go off to vacation and just spend time with one another and strengthen our marriage, strengthen our relationship. Uh, and uh, during our 10th year anniversary, um, my wife and I went up to the mountains in Georgia and we spent some time with one another. And as I was thinking and planning, uh, uh, some things that we wanted to talk about in that 10th year anniversary, it it probably wasn't the most romantic uh, thing, but I had three questions that I wanted to pursue. And the first question is, where we been, you know, where have we been over these last 10 years where the Lord's been moving, where we've been moving, what does life look like? And, uh, uh, we talked about that second question, where we, at that time where are we now and, and we talked about you know that whole side of things and and then the third question is well you know what do you see that's going as a family as a marriage and so forth in the next ten years now that's kind of our thing but it was normal for me as a as a senior uh, vice president within uh, uh, executive settings and, and companies and so forth so I'm used to having those conversations and I wanted to explore what does that look like in my life and my marriage and so forth and just do a reflection I think we all need to kind of get away, not only to do this type of couple reflection, but also individually uh, go away and look out the window and do a reflection and say, Lord, uh, uh, where are you moving and how can I join you where you're moving? And so during this time uh, and after some dialogue uh, around those questions, a question came up that um, really has shaped my life uh, for the last 15, 20 years, and that is, um, are the kids prepared to defend their faith when they go off to college? Now, our kids were aging somewhere between 10 and 13 years old at that time, uh, maybe a little younger. And um, uh, and we talked about it, we debated, we felt that they, yes, they knew who the Lord was, potentially had a personal relationship with Jesus, but we wanted that to go deeper, of course. But when it came to uh, the kids prepared to defend their faith, we looked at one another and had to agree, uh, no, we didn't feel that they were prepared to defend their faith in college. And that was important to us. Uh, Because we had read studies like 65 to 74% of of students walk away from their faith shortly after high school. We call it the graduation uh, flight. And, uh, And so we didn't want that to happen within our home. So as we dug into this, we had more dialogue. My wife turned to me and said, well, what are you going to do about it? So said, what am I going to do about it? You, you're the spiritual leader the home. I mean, you, you're the one that, you know, I've been out, you know, raising the, the cattle and doing all these other things. What are you going to do? She says, well, that's, that's not my responsibility. never has been really the role that I desire, but yet I've taken it on. And, and so it's now time to, that you look at this in a much more serious light. And therefore, what are you going to do about it? And that question took us on a journey uh, that has continued us today. And so I began to think through and pray through, Lord, what will you have me do? And where he's taken me to uh, is really kind of back to my life experiences and, and what I knew, but also his truth, his word, those 66 books, which are so transformational, and to understand what he, what he desires from us as, as fathers, as parents, as mothers, and so forth. And it took me to Ephesians 6.4. Fathers, really speaking to parents, but in this case, fathers, don't exasperate your children. I I was pretty good at that sometimes. But he says, train and instruct them in the Lord. And what that meant to me was family discipleship. How are we going to instill a culture and a habit of family discipleship in our home that would transform not only our family and our kids, but for generations to come? And so that is what started us on a journey that we continue today. Uh, that's transformed our, our marriage, our family, and so many other things. And and has helped us to go deeper in our faith. Uh, and, and, and now I believe our, our kids are prepared to answer that question and defend their faith.
0: Next, let's talk about the challenges that men face with spiritual leadership in the home. I, I think it can be very easy. I, I like what you shared very transparently that your wife was filling in a gap that was there and then she kind of called you to ask about, you know, well, actually, this is, this is your job. This is your problem to solve. And I, I think it can be very easy for us to just automatically let our wives take over and do that because they will often tend to fill in that gap if we're not filling that role to the potential that we need to be. But I want to get your perspective maybe from your own story and the story of other men that you've worked with through the years. Why is this such a challenge for us today? Why do we struggle? To have ownership of the spiritual leadership in our homes.
1: That's a great question. You know, I, I think one of the reasons I, I'm an optimist by nature. So I think we want to do the right thing. It's just times we don't know how. You know, man, we fear failure, and so we, we stick with what we know. And a lot of times we're looking at. Uh, spiritual disciplines around spiritual maturity, whether it be how well you know God's word, prayer and worship, and things like that and and we're out working you know and most people on average in america forty six hours a week and and guys in my role was working seventy eighty hours a week and so as we try to balance life and we try to balance family and raising kids and so forth, uh we simply find and in my case, I had the good fortune when my wife was a stay at home mom and so Uh, she had that that time to invest in them and do life with them more than I did, although uh, I made a point never to miss any special events or functions. So I was at at home involved and so forth. Uh, But it was simply, um, some will say it's time. For me, uh, I believe it's just reprioritization, Uh, to really put God first in your life and prioritize that time, Uh, to understand that I have a role and responsibility uh, along with God to raise my kids and to be the spiritual leader of my home is something that I have to understand first. And so I think men want to do the right thing. They just simply don't maybe don't know where to start or don't know how. And so they just need some a tool or, or, or some help in, in giving them the confidence and, and in uh, the training uh, and the focus, uh, you know, but it's not a, uh, an issue. I mean, if I think about it, fewer than 10% of Christian families really ever engage in, with one another to express you know, what the vision and purpose is. And, and, and believe it or not, I found that less than 1% could actually show you any type of written plan or even briefly describe the spiritual direction they're praying for and working towards. And so I had to reprioritize, uh, reflect that the Lord had given me a precious discipleship group, <laughs> so to speak. And, and I was the spiritual leader of that. I was the shepherd in the home. And so I had to reprioritize and, 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 uh, and take on that role and responsibility. And I found that women don't want that role, uh, really, uh, is abdicated to them and the church. And we think that the church will raise our kids or, or, and that sort of thing. But the fact of the matter is, I believe that spiritual maturity and development starts at home. And, and I believe that, uh, and I've seen it. Well, life changed when you, uh, when the dad, I, know, I can't tell you why, but something significant happens, a, a transformational shift happens. When the dad, number one, comes to Christ, and number two, when the dad begins to take that spiritual leadership role that, that he is, you know, rightfully uh, supposed to take, and, and all of a sudden the kids start to look at me and the family and my role totally different, uh, and the things that you think might Surprise them uh, or surprise you in terms of your spiritual maturity and what they're watching, maybe far from what they're actually watching. Uh, one example of that, uh, as my daughter commented as we were going through this many years later and recapping what we do that we'll talk about later, she says, "Dad, I knew you were serious about this whole process when I saw you worshiping in church. You never worshiped in church out loud when I see you singing and worshipping and praising the Lord." I knew that you're very serious. Something had happened to you. Now I'm thinking, what about those times I'm I'm sitting reading the Bible and doing all this other stuff and praying and so forth. She says, no, I get that. Uh, The heart change is what they're looking for. And they found it in this process uh, with our family. So there's many stories I can share with you, uh, but it's a significant uh, thing. I believe that there's never a time in a child's life that they don't crave the father's love. They know the mother's love is there organically, but they crave the father's love. And, and I believe the family in America and, the, and across the world is being challenged because of a lot of factors dealing with the home.
0: What I love about what you're sharing is you're able to come at this from the perspective of having been able to walk this out with your family. Like you shared in the early part of the interview, you're seeing the fruit of this with your kids and the lives that they're living today. For those of us who are on the other side of that equation, we're just starting out, we don't even have a plan yet. Give us an overview of what it might look like to construct a family spiritual development plan, kind of the the 10,000 foot flyovers, I might call it. And, you know, is this something that we're going to be completely doing solo or are we also going to be bringing in other parts of our family and collaborating as we make this? Because this is a plan for the whole family. It's not just dad's plan.
1: Absolutely. You know, we started, um, I first started just to get away uh, personally and just reflect and, and just spend time with the Lord with a, a pen, a paper and, and a Bible, just asking him for his direction for me and, and his direction for my family. And I spent a good time on that. I think the part that the dad must own is the vision for his family. He must be, understand uh, what is God's vision for his family, and for his life. And we're all at different ages and stages. So that particular time, I recommend that we get, along, that we get away in isolation and spend time with, with the Father. And then come back uh, with your spouse and begin to have conversations as to what was revealed to you and the best way that you can explain that. And then uh, kind of, uh, ask your wife, uh, what do you see? as the lord 's purpose for this family and and so forth, and we know that the general purpose is to obviously glorify God and enjoy him forever but but what is the deeper purpose for your family what 's the vision for your for your family and so we spent time uh, together, husband and wife, uh, just talking about what this might look like and then thirdly, what we did because our kids were a little older and we had the the pleasure of bringing them in uh, we went off uh, into a wonderful weekend trip. And and I didn't kind of like pull out this Bible and say, hey, we're going to do this. What I did, I made it a fun weekend, and you know, we played things like putt putt golf and all types of thing, boating and fishing. And and by the way, I did win at putt putt golf, as uh, the record will show. But uh, we just got off. And we talked. I, I shared with them kind of my journey. Uh, my wife and I shared our personal testimony. Uh, and, and that's an art to that. I, we go over that in the planning process and, and then we begin to kind of share our vision and, and what our thoughts were. And, and then we wanted their input and we got their input and, and we share with them that we like to go down this journey together as a family. And, and uh, and there's a seven step process that uh, we walk people through in this book. Uh, this just, here's how you start. Here's what you, you know, how you move forward. Here's when and how to engage the children that's involved. And so, uh, we went down that process and, and fortunately we were able to draft this first, uh, kind of set of planning, uh, together as a family. Uh, and then I went back, uh, kind of edited that and, and put that into a workable document. And then I, I had a special meeting, uh, um, around Christmas time and we got off in, into my basement. Uh, I had some candles lit, some worship music going, and, and I wanted to make it a big, Big event, and I wrote out the first Chapman uh, generational spiritual development plan. It was it was the best that I I could understand at that moment, and uh, and shared it with the family, shared it with my children, and uh, and one piece of that was uh, uh, regular devotion time uh, that we would do as a family. And so I was advocating once a month we get together, we talk about some things, and they said, "No, Dad, we want to do it at least once a week because this is a pretty extensive." devotional uh, session that we do and we and by the way we still do these devotional sessions today after 15 20 years uh, With my kids five cell phones uh, Sunday 8 to 9 and we're still uh, we have it mapped out for the year. I share that in the book uh, But anyway, it was a it was a sweet time. It was a transformational moment for our, for the Chapman family uh, we we came into a covenant with one another and, uh, and more importantly, with, with God himself. And then uh, uh, we've been living it out. And, and these guys encouraged me, uh, Dad, we've got to do it more, not less. And so can you imagine your children uh, responding by asking you to, to talk about the things of God more? <laughs> and the dad's talking about, hey, can we do it less? Uh, what a wonderful moment uh, in our family of this transformation. And, and it's still something we do today.
0: That's great. I think we often think our our kids would be okay with that once-a-month rhythm for the devotional time. That's so interesting that they called you to task and like, no, Dad, we're going to do this every week.
1: Yeah, isn't that amazing? And, you know, to see the fruits coming out of this, I mean, we're seeing where our kids are now sharing the faith, people coming to faith, we're seeing family on family devotional, we're seeing mission trips as a family together. There's just so many fruits that have come out of this healthier marriage. I mean, our marriage was very strong. Uh, to begin with, but from a spiritual standpoint we're seeing a healthier marriage, uh, definitely more laser being focused on the priorities and the values uh, that make up the Chapman family, and uh, it's, it's been a real blessing for us.
0: Thinking about going through this sort of a process, I almost would think sometimes uh, it might be looking, almost like looking in a mirror at times, I think we might be exposing challenges that we didn't see or problems that we didn't see with how we're Working with our family spiritually, I think especially for dads, this could be very sobering if this is something that has been kind of lacking in your family. So from your journey and the journey of others who have already taken up this process, are there any potential difficulties or problems we might want to be thinking about or just be aware of as we're going into this process?
1: Absolutely. You know, I think when any spiritual development is you're going from milk to meat, as Hebrews one would say... Um, uh, the one that, that, that really I had to reflect on as I spent my personal time with, with God uh, prior to all this process. Um, it was revealed to me that that uh, things had to change, and He showed me more and more of my depravity. You know, I thought I was a pretty good guy. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i in church. I've been in church all my life. I knew the Lord. I accepted the Lord. You know, I, I was doing all the christian things that anyone else would recognize, but but really, I was failing as a spiritual leader in my home. I was, spirit, I was failing in growing spiritually. So the first thing, and it's very, uh, it could be very challenging for an individual, is that he, he really shows you more who you are and your depravity. And for me, it, it shook me at my core. Uh, it was almost, I can't use you. And, you know, uh, Unless you understand it, you need to be totally dependent on me. Uh, sacrifice, surrender, and great humility. Those four words have, have, have rung in my mind since this day that this is what he was looking for. And and I was all but that. And I I thought I could do it in my own strength, my own ability, my own knowledge, my own experience, but you can't. You have to go to the cross daily. You have to ask the Lord to forgive me. We live a life of repentance. And I and I know this for some. may sound I'm you know, kind of Christian. I'm not modern. But I, I tell you, there's no other way. There's no shortcut. There's no... You know, quick fix to this. This is uh this is really a journey that you have to go on. And you have to open yourself up and be transparent and authentic and understand that the Lord is gonna do a mighty work in your life. And as I began to read those sixty six books from Genesis to Revelation, asking one question a year, the first question is, God I wanna know who you are. Let's just get to it, right. And and I, I knew the surface, but I I wanted to know who he was, and I read that book, asking that one question the entire year, and I just wrote down everything. I mean, I I think I have a Bible, of what that that question uh, responded to. And the second year was okay. Lord, show me who I am, and boy, he showed me my depravity. So we have to be ready, to see who we are, and be and be willing. Uh, to accept that wisdom and, and that, and that uh, information, and say, God, I, I want to do. I, I don't want to be this person a year from now. The third year, I went through it, saying, Okay, I, I know I need Christ even more. So, you know, make it make Him uh, more present in my life uh, abundantly, and, and that was just a sweet year of uh, redemption and reconciliation, and just uh, amazing time. And then the fourth year, Lord, what would You have me do? And that's when I was crossed. He says, I can't use you at all. I can't use the current you unless these four things happen. Dep- for me, it was dependency, sacrifice, surrender, and great humility. And to show show me what that looks like in my life, what it could look like, is why I spent the rest of my life trying to work through. And so, um, what I did was reflect on those things, and it had to, and it showed me who I am. And so, to answer your question, we have to be ready, to to and willing to look deep within ourselves, through others, through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, and say, Lord, show me who I am, and, and show me uh, how will you use me today, or where are you working, how can I join you there, as black always says, and, and, and I had to be willing to accept that, and had to be willing to accept his plan, his calling, not my plan, not my calling, through my intellect, and so forth. Whenever our drivers of spiritual, intellectual, and physical, when the intellectual and physical overcome the spiritual, we're going to be off balance. And I had to get kind of recalibrated in my life. And so be ready for that, uh, men and women, who wants to go down this path. This is a journey of spiritual maturity, not a weekend to remember. This is a journey of spiritual maturity for, for decades and generations to come.
0: Both sobering and exciting at the same time. Thank you for exactly. being trans- transparent and sharing about what God unpacked for you in your journey. I, I think everybody's journey is going to be a little different depending on, on where they're starting from. But if I've learned anything the past few years on my own spiritual journey, it often takes working in conjunction with God to kind of break down these different things in our lives before God builds us back up. Sometimes there are some things that have to be destroyed or done away with before we're ready to build anew and it's not always a fun process it's often painful but on the other side of it it's also worth it
1: oh sean you nailed it you know i i was just thinking about it you know without pruning you know there's not much enough fruit you know i was just thinking a few weeks ago i just you know a guy uh, gave me a haircut you know and he cut me a little lower than i normally did and i told him no, no skin right I, wake, I get up from the chair it's all skin <laughs> you know and uh, <laughs> and so uh so he had pruned me pretty good, right? And, and so just a few weeks later, I had a full hair hair again, And that was just amazing. And I think God does the same thing. Sometimes he just has to prune, prune his back a little bit before we have the growth. Uh, because uh, sometimes we, we might give ourselves the glory for this, and, and, and we can never touch his glory. That's the one thing I've learned, never touch his glory. And so now I give all praise, honor, and glory to Him, because I realize that none of this is in my control. None of this I can do on my own. But He is working in us and through us for His glory. And that's a big lesson for me, personally. I think think that same thing happens to many of us.
0: There can be a tendency sometimes to fake it before we make it, where we're looking really good and transformed on the outside while we're a mess on the inside. And we all long for the transformation. But you're saying it, it's time to really buckle down and go deep with God and that transformation can and, and will happen in the process. It it's a little scary, but it's gonna be good.
1: And the results if we don't do this is we're gonna to continue to have a think about our generation, baby boomers, sixty five percent worldview, and you're looking at depending on what study a four to eight percent worldview. I mean something has happened. You know, I remember a time where it was, was non negotiable. I mean church was a non negotiable. I mean uh things weren't open on Sunday. I mean things have changed, but uh, God's word and the foundation stays the same. So we have to, to we got to buckle down. And I believe uh that for the first time when you're looking at marriage in America being a minority, forty nine percent, uh we have an issue. And I think when you break down the very fabric of marriage and parenting and the home, when you when you, when that dissolves, when that falls apart I believe you'll see a society that's decaying as well. And so we need to get serious about it. And we need to, in my opinion, uh, start at home, start with the parents or grandparents or what have you. Uh, and uh, and I know there's many single parents out there, but someone has authority in raising those kids. And my number one challenge is to raise them to know who Christ is. We don't have the power of transformation, but we do have that wonderful responsibility and privilege to at least teach them who he is and what he's done on that cross and what he continues to do and what
0: he promised to do. So once a family has their plan in place, how can they live it out? How can they keep it fresh and front and center in the midst of their busy lives? And uh, you know, I think of corporate planning, we often will come back and review those things year after year and look at what's working and make changes, so to tag on to this question, for our plan, are we going to come back to those as a family sometimes and, and make shifts and changes where they make sense?
1: Oh, absolutely. We do it every every year, uh, by the way. But, uh, you yeah, I want to point, you know, the folks to Chapter 2, and you've got to make it personal. Uh, it has to be a plan that's that's unique and personal for you. Uh, the journey is the same, but but you know we're, we're not trying to produce this. Uh, you know, just everyone's plans looks the same, and our journey is the same. It's not. It's different, right? We're we're in a different age and stage of life, and so make it personal. Uh, you know, go deep in it and uh, have fun with it. Uh, and so uh, we can help with that in the book. We outline uh, where to start and how to start if if uh, whether you are. You know, a mature spiritual person or, or, you know, new to Christ. I mean, this, this process is the same. For us, we, I wanted to reflect on where the family has been. And so uh, my aunt is kind of one of those geo, you know, geo, uh, geology, I mean, not geology, but uh, genealogy. Uh, genealogy type people. And, and so she had tracked the family history back to uh, 1824. And so we spent some time talking about the spiritual heritage of the Chapman family. And she had just some amazing insights. And we had found, or she had found, an old Bible from my great-great-great-grandmother, uh, Velma. And she told me the story of how she had been praying for the men in his family. Uh, and then we saw a shift as we saw the men come to faith in our family. Uh, and now my children, I call them, they're the fifth generation of Chatman on the male side that, that, have, that has moved forward and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that we, that we would understand. Uh, and we know this because my grandmother had documented when these men uh, had come to faith in their life and their walk. It was just a wonderful thing to share that with them. So the first step is to just reflect where you've been. The second step that I recommend is look at your core values uh what are unique core values for your family? not the ones that everyone else want to give you, but what are the unique core values uh that your family truly uh find important and and then you know write those things down uh write down about ten of those core values the second the third step is then um, uh, think about a vision uh for your family where where do you see your family going in the mix you know uh, 10, 20 years. I'm not looking to make disciples at the age of 12. I'm looking at to make disciples when they're 22 years old. And so we've got to pour this process in, you know, 10, 20 years. And I'm praying that once they leave my house, that they will, this faith will be their own and they'll walk this faith out, not only in their life, but in their marriage and so forth. And then the third step is what's the mission statement because mission talks vision vision is where, where am I going? What's the horizon? The mission says, well, how do I get there? and uh and so write that out as best you can and 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 flush that out a little bit and then we have a thing called connection goals commitment goals and commission goals we only have three types of goals the first year we spend time in connection what is what is the lord Uh, God's Word says, what is it about, what do we believe, why do we believe it, who is God, who is man, and so forth and so on. And we just want to talk about who is God and and what do we know about Him, what do we know about Jesus Christ, about our faith. And that year is all we do is study connection or list connection goals. And we only list three goals a year no more because I'm never going to do more than three goals. I can't count that high beyond three. Uh, But we list three connect goals. The second year we now plan around commitment goals. And then the third year we plan around commission goals. Commitment goals is, okay, now I understand a little bit of what I believe. Well, I believe it. Well, how do I live out? And then the third year commission goals is, okay, how do I give this away? How do I go out and serve, share the gospel, do mission trips together as a family and so forth? And it's, it's transformed my family uh, tremendously. We're now uh, on probably the uh, somewhere sixth or seventh uh, uh, cycle of connection, commitment mission. Uh, and now the, the kids are leading uh, these studies as well. But, but that's a piece. And then we do life, age, and stage because, you know, kids were in different ages and stages. You teach a 14-year-old different than you teach a 2-year-old, right? And we give you uh, tools and, and resources uh, to use in the age and stage of groups. And then uh, we, we form a, a prayer, a family intercessory prayer session to say, who in the family truly, from our, you know, the best that we know about, uh, salvation. Who, who doesn't know Christ? And so we we pray for that individually the entire year, uh, and we and we get engaged in their life, and we just let them know we're praying for them and sharing the gospel, whatever they're open to do. But one thing we do is pray for them the entire year, and then finally we have a covenant that the, the children say, you know what, we we want to make a commitment to one another, and the one covenant that out of the ten things that we covenant to is that we want to do this for the rest of our life as a family. And that just blew me away that they saw the significance of generational uh, impact and intentionality And then they said, you know what, we want to do this for the rest of our life and we want our kids to experience this for the rest of our life. So every week, every other week we get together and then once a year, twice a year, we get together as a family, We go off and have another vacation and just talk about how the Lord has been moving for the year and where he's going for the next year. And I lay out the next year's uh, calendar. It's a a sweet moment, probably the sweetest I have in, in in my year.
0: I'm going to pause the conversation with Terrence for just a moment to share a brief word about one of our sponsors. As a marketing manager for a publishing company, I spend a lot of time on the road visiting with authors and attending conferences. This means I have a lot of downtime in airports, on planes, and even when I'm sneaking in my daily run at the hotel gym. One of the things I've found that allows me to keep learning and making good use of this downtime on the road is audiobooks. Just yesterday, I downloaded Chris Gillibo's excellent book, Born for This how to find the work you are meant to do. That book is a must for anybody who is on a creative and entrepreneurial journey and wants to turn their passion into a paycheck. If you're looking to learn more this year and maximize your downtime, I suggest you give Audible a try. Right now, they have an exclusive offer for listeners of The Sean Tabbitt Show. Head over to audibletrial.com forward slash Sean and claim your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. Once again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash S-H-A-U-N with more than 180,000 tiles to choose from, I know you'll quickly become a fan of Audible, just like I am. Now, back to the show. I like what you've shared about that each family situation can be different. I like that you also mentioned that you had an idea to do devotions uh, once a month. Your kids said they'd like to see you do that more. I think when we're putting something like this, we can have a tendency to want to overcorrect where you might say, well, gosh, we're going to do an hour of devotions Every night is a family, never mind that you have a, a baby and a toddler and other littles and or in your case, you know with the amount of hours you were putting in at work, you had to be very realistic about the time that you had in your schedule. Talk to us about that sort of work, play, worship, family balance. you know what does that look like? I think that's going to be a little bit different for every person. So how did you work that balance out within your own family's life and how have you seen others do that to be realistic and keep making progress and moving forward in this whole process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, one of the things that we do is uh, we either have a plan or the, or the plan. Uh, we can either plan to, to to succeed or we can plan to fail. And one thing I always say, if you if you don't have a plan, then you're planning to fail. And so, uh, one thing I do in, in my life, I'm sure many executives or many working people or people have, whether they have it written down or not, is they have a schedule. Uh, they have things that they prioritize. They have, you know, important and, and what I call important and non and non negotiable activities. Uh, because everything's important, right? So, but then, what are your non-negotiables? And one non-negotiable, I begin to look at my calendar and said, this time I, I have energy. This time I have, you know, focus. I, I'm not busy as much. And, and so I, I said, uh, I'm going to start today with the Lord. Lord, what will you have? What will you have for me today? How will you use me today? And I do that the same in, in my business today. I, I come in and said, Lord, what, what will you have for this place today? How will you use me today here? Uh, and so I start out my day with just, just prayer and uh, Lord, I want to know who you are. And we go through this process and, and he just wants you in his presence. And I make sure that I have what I call the Lord's presence time <laughs> on my calendar every day. And, and then, uh, I'm going to pray for the family. I'm going to pray for my marriage and so forth in that process as well. And so I, I called that time out that, that, you know, I learned in the early days, uh, really back in the one minute manager, Ken uh, Blanchard talked about taking a Wednesday and making that your personal time. And and that time, nothing can really interrupt your schedule. It's just time to reflect on the last two days and the two days to come. And I, I continue to do that practice today at, at, at here at the ministry at work, and, and I also do it at home. Uh, there's a time that I carve out of my schedule and say, this time is for the Lord. This time is for my family. This time is for work. Because work can consume us. I think, you know, the the Lord tells us to remember the Sabbath for a reason. You know, if we get on that treadmill and just run, 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 we'll run all day, all night, (laughs) you know, into the evening, you know, but it's not healthy for us. Uh, It doesn't focus us. We lose perspective. And what we're really doing is we're prioritizing the temporal, the things of this world, the things of this earth versus what's beyond this earth. And so I want to first prioritize the thing above the sun versus under the sun. And I want to take that time. I want to prioritize it. I want to focus it. I want to protect it. And I want my kids to understand the significance of protecting that time. So that's the first thing is have a schedule. Uh, uh it doesn't have to be a five every five minutes what you're going to do but big buckets you know this time is of the lord this time is for marriage or whatever and just you know this time is for work and balance this out reprioritize what i'm calling the important versus the non-negotiable those things that's temporal those things that's sacred and i'm for me and my household as they is my first priority are those things of the lord and and yes uh, it gets challenging. Yes, uh, we have to avoid being legalistic about it. <laughs> okay? uh, there's times that uh, I may you know, miss some things. I may not. But I found the time when I'm having the richest uh, time in my life is when I'm in presence with the Lord on a regular basis, whether it be reading his word, praying, or worshiping. It is a sweet time, a sweet moment. And I believe lives will change if those three disciplines are prioritized versus, you know, just I'm going to get to
0: it whenever. I think there can be a tendency, especially on the part of men, to let work overshadow everything and just consume our schedules. I think we have to be willing to give ourselves permission to make changes where we're putting God first, family second, and maybe work third sometimes that it is okay to not let work be our be-all, end-all all all the time, even though we might feel pressured to do that without things properly oriented in our relationship with God, our relationship with our family. Eventually, I think we're not going to be able to give as well as we could at work because those other things are really out of balance for us.
1: Well, that's exactly it. You know, I've been in uh, corporate America for uh, 15, 20 years, and now in, in non-profit and I own my own business. And, you know, I, I think back, this whole process, by the way, was taking place when I owned my own business. And and when you're building a business, um, you know, it's it's your focal point. Everything is critical, right? In the concept stage, you know, it's lack of cash flow, untrained staff, you know, just so many things and you're trying to build this baby. And you're trying to make it real. You're trying to make it successful, quote, unquote. And And I was investing not 50, not 60, not 70 hours a week, I was investing 80, 90 hours a week. Things had gotten so bad, and my prioritization was so off. So, so I'm more guilty than anyone else out there. Uh, uh, you know, I was probably, I mean, all, of, all of my friends were taking our kids to church. That's how bad it had gotten. Uh, we had totally, uh, you know, forgotten. And this is, this is not new. I mean, this one generation after Joshua died, Judges 2.10 talks about an entire nation, An entire nation walked away from God and stopped prioritizing those things of God. That's all it took. And for me, it was one business that took my priority away from the most important non-negotiable thing. I wanted to build that business. I wanted to be successful. It was my first business. I was pouring into it 80, 90 hours a week. I I had basically reprioritized my life. I had reprioritized my marriage. I had reprioritized my kids. Now, I didn't miss you know, baseball games and football games and whatever, because that was so important to me. But half the time, mentally, I probably wasn't there. Spiritually, I wasn't there. I was going to church, attending when I could. You know, I had a seven day a week business and and, uh, restaurant business, and prime time was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, And I realized that as long as I remained in that business, I would not be successful. Now, here's a powerful story for you. I needed Sunday off. I had come to the conclusion that I was not going to miss church on Sunday, but I wanted to have peace about missing church, about leaving the business on Sunday. Because in a restaurant business, if you lose 5-10% of your, of your bottom line, you, you're pretty much out of business. You know, my margins were low, 14-18%. And I said, God, I want to walk away. I need Sunday. I want to walk away. I no longer do I want my friends to take my children to church when my wife and I had to be an emergency staff on Sunday. I need Sunday off. But I also want to have peace about it. I want to have joy about it. And regardless of what happened, I'm not going in. Do you know, uh, six years, I never went in on Sunday unless I just wanted to. Then I needed Saturday off because I became a teaching, uh, a discussion leader uh, at, at a local Bible, what we call Bible study fellowship, and so I needed Saturday off, and I needed Monday off because I went into leadership, and then I became a teaching leader. I needed, by the time that I continued to pray and have peace, I only needed to go in one day a week, and that was Thursday. Now, I could have went in any other time and popped in and so forth, but I, it wasn't a necessity. And what I realized is this, even from a business perspective— If you're not ready to let go, you will never develop the leaders to deal with the issues and the challenges that your business and your life is dealing with because you think that only you can solve the issue. In reality, other people can solve the issue probably better than you, but you have to raise up leaders in the business to succeed. Do you know that I began to raise up leaders because I had to. <laughs> I had to think about my, my approach to business differently, and all of a sudden they could run the business probably better than me, and I would come in as an advisor and, and, and look at things and coach them and affirm them and so forth. But they ran the business for six years, and I only had to go in for five of those years, maybe one day a week. So why did I think that boy, this business is going to fail if I wasn't there? Uh, you know that's a wrong perspective. I learned that we can manage through people and and we can raise up leaders and they can do a great job if we invest in them. It was a great lesson for my life. It changed my family, changed me, and it changed my approach to to balance work and and home. Uh, And then, by the way, uh, our life is about where we live, where we work, where we play, where we worship. There is no secular divide and sacred divide. We are to live this life 24-7, seven days a week.
0: That's really interesting. It seems like on the one hand, obviously your vision for the spiritual legacy of your family is shifting and what you're expecting God to do in your family is shifting, but at the same time in your business, it almost seems like God gave you a bigger vision for what your staff could do or that you could expand and and change their roles, that there was a lot of possibility. So as you got one side of your life more in order, that just automatically seemed to spill into the next. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: And I want to just encourage people that it's it's okay. It's sufficient to the struggle. It's, it's sufficient to struggle. It's sufficient as you're growing in in your faith. You know, as, as you look at your faith, there's going to be issues that you're dealing with, and and it's going to look like, well, boy, I, I, boy, if I can just get through these issues, but just like a radar, if you tick if you tick out another 10 miles, you realize there's a whole lot more to deal with, right? And so what the Lord was doing was working in my life, and He was He said, I'm going to finish. I'm going to complete the work that I started in you and And so that, that that life transformation had to start with me and my heart, and then uh, it just bled over to my marriage to my to my raising the kids, to my work, to all aspects of life. It's amazing uh the shift that takes place in a person's life when you re- reprioritize it and focus on the most important thing. And that thing is, is, is God and, and Jesus Christ and, and your walk with him and, and presence with him. It's, it just changed my life completely.
0: I think one of the things we often think about when we're looking at a process like this is how is this going to impact our kids? But you've also mentioned that this really will impact your marriage as well. So how does becoming that stronger spiritual leader in your home, how does that also in turn strengthen our marriage at the same time? Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, you know, one of the roles that we have as, as, a, as a husband is to serve our wives. You know, when we talk about leading our wives, it's really how do we serve them. You know, God showed us a, a perfect picture in the Bible when, he looked at the, when we look at the church. Uh, he talks about it being his bride. He talks about, you uh, know, his sacrifice, and we think about uh, what is taking place. So for me, uh, my, like I said, my wife and I had a, a really a wonderful relationship. We weren't struggling in any way. But uh, we were able to go deeper in our spiritual life and 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 have deeper conversations, prayer uh, conversations, and uh, and reading and discussion conversations. For many years, she was trying to get me into things like Bible study fellowship, and I just didn't quote unquote have time. All of a sudden, I started to take time and get involved, and we studied together, and so we could share uh, you know, those discussion questions together. We could share what we were reading together. We could talk about, uh, I probably know more, uh, a lot of times the children used to go to her with certain topics and come to me with certain topics. And now all of a sudden they were coming to me with the spiritual topics. uh, uh and my wife was coming to me and we were talking about spiritual things we had never talked about before. So one is it will open up uh, the communications. It will open up uh, the way that uh, you do life together. It will open up the way you celebrate uh, uh, the blessings in life together. Uh, it will open up your prayer life. Uh, it will open up uh, uh, just so many things how you look at uh, uh, your marriage and, your, and and that union together. So it uh, it changed that dramatically. Uh, but here's the most important thing for us: is it it uh, we can we're going down this journey a lot of times, and, and you're "Well, where are you going?" For me and my wife, for the first time, we had a very clear picture of what was on the horizon and how we were going to get there and how we were going to be intentional together in in, in this process. It's not alone. It's together. He says, you know, go down this pathway together. Serve together. You serve her. You serve the kids. Serve one another. And uh, And we were able to say, this is where we're headed. And to have clarity uh, and intentionality, Uh, it it really uh, gave us energy uh, and re-sparked us more than we could ever imagine.
0: Mm, That's helpful and encouraging. I'm I'm excited as I work through this process and and update things that we've already done in the past that I I think this is going to impact my marriage, my relationship with my wife as well. So thank you for that good encouragement. appreciate it. Now, Terrence, you know, when you think of readers finishing the book, closing that back flap, as you might say, if they only take away one key concept or idea, what do you most hope that is? What would you like to see them take away as a catalyst that's, that's going to push them in a, in a new direction or lead them towards some sort of transformation?
1: Yeah, I want I want folks to, to be at peace and have great joy just to know uh, the challenge, yes, exists here. Many might even feel guilty that their kids may not know who the Lord is. Uh, maybe uh, their, their kids may have rejected their faith. And they and they're taking that on personally. I want them to know that one, um, uh, there's freedom in this process. Uh, that the, it's the Lord's role to transform hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I do encourage, but well, we have a role in this process too, and that's to train, instruct our kids in the Lord. But I, I want to remove uh, or or just pray for those who can re- and remove uh, the potential guilt or shame or blame as to maybe their kids aren't walking with the Lord today. It's, 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 uh, it's not about you. Uh, Christ is sufficient. And so that's the first thing. I, and, and this, you know, we're going to have a lot of things that we're going to come up with and do and want to do, and we can get frustrated or we can have great joy due to the blessing. But I, the one message I want to leave you is that I've come to a conclusion that if I can just help them to know who Christ is, consider his truth and present themselves uh, before him, because we will all be before him one day. Uh, And I believe we're going to be sharing, or he will be sharing our testimonial. Uh, But for me, I want to encourage you to think about it this way, and this isn't necessarily, I don't know if it's biblical, this is the way I think about it. At the end of my life, uh, I I will be before uh, the Heavenly Father. And imagine if he asked me, Terrence, what did you do in this life? What did you do with my son, Christ Jesus? And and imagine him bringing out a welcoming committee of those who you have impacted through God's word in your family and beyond your family. And imagine no one comes out. Not your mother, not your father, not your children, your brothers and so forth. No one comes out because simply... You fail to be intentional about sharing the gospel. Now I, that's where it's, it's not us. Remember, it's him. But I to, I want to give you this picture. And then, then imagine another scenario where he brings forth your welcoming committee, and that welcoming committee consists of your daughter, your son, your wife, your mother, your grandmother, and so forth. And knowing we don't have the power to, but but that, that's a welcoming committee, friends and other people. You have no idea you impact their life. You know, for me and my family, I want to see generational impact, and so my role is to make Christ known to every family member that i that I engage with. Uh, the freedom comes is I know I don't have the power or authority to transform hearts, but I do have a privilege to share who He is. So be encouraged, be prayerful, and be bold and courageous to share this great news that we have, which is the gospel, because the hope that we have is eternity with the Father.
0: All right, well, it's time to bring this episode of the Sean Tabot Show to a close. Many thanks for being a part of my conversation with Terrence Chapman. Once again, our book today was Do Your Children Believe? To connect with Terrence and find out more about the book, visit doyourchildrenbelieve.com, and to find out more about Fellowship of Companies for Christ International, be sure to stop by fcci.org. Terrence, I just want to say thanks so much for sharing with us today. It's been a great pleasure speaking with you.
1: Sean, it's a pleasure and I'm uh, really excited as this book comes out February 7th. I, I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to share with uh, with the people that follow you.
0: And that's all for this episode of The Sean Tabbitt Show. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, you can connect with me via email using show at seantabbitt.com. Be sure to follow me on Twitter where I go by the Twitter handle at tabbitt. And if you enjoy the show, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review.